In a world where entertainment is randomly scattered across Wikipedia, and no one can be sure of anything. Citation needed! Two men stand alone. They are Ben Graw, I'm Earth's last hope, and Garth Remington. Does it come with a pickle or is that extra? And word on the street is, they're gonna clean up Wikipedia. Yo, I heard word on the street is, they gonna clean up Wikipedia. And while they're fighting a tide of information, their fans are fighting tides of hot girls hitting on them. You listen to Wiki Review? That's hot. But sometimes you have to go off page to get the job done. I got the internet breathing down my neck because you're rogue hot shot rating system! This isn't a podcast. This is the Wiki Review. And you're sure it's not a Pokemon? I'm positive it's not a Pokemon. some things in the show notes. I know it's in the show notes. (laughs) Comedy ensues. Hello and welcome to Wiki Review. I'm Ben Graw. I'm Garth Remington. And on this episode, we're going to talk about an obscure cartoon from the 1960s because I'm not kidding. Garth said that this would be clickbait. <laughs> I did. It's true. Because <laughs> on this episode, we're going to be talking about the Wikipedia page for Wacky Races. Mudley! Fresher, 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 fresher. <laughs> So there's probably some people who vaguely remember Wacky Races and hopefully that laugh, that Muttley laugh that Garth did brought it back for you people. See, I disagree with you, Ben. I think everyone knows who Wacky Races is. We don't even need to describe it. Everyone's on board and everyone knows who Muttley is and what I just did. And if you were unsure, you heard that Muttley voice and you went, oh yes, I remember everything. Well, it was strong enough that apparently they rebooted it in 2017. This is something I was completely unaware of until we looked at this. This is the most amazing thing about this page. This has got to be literally the shortest Wikipedia page we've ever done. It is. We can literally do this page in 15 minutes and go away. (laughs) Hey, that sounds good. Then we can all, including you, the listeners, can just like do other stuff. (laughs) It's going to save all kinds of time. There was a television show, board games, video games. That's the end of Wiki Review. All right, everyone, let's go home. I feel like a nap. Um, No, because it breaks into sections because there are the subheadings. Television, where it tells you all about the television series, which Which, is the original one. When I... This one, I only knew of the original TV series. I didn't know there were a whole bunch of other television ones. There's video games, there's board games, there's a comic book. I didn't know all of this. I'm really excited to learn about it. Well, there were four different Wacky Races TV shows. Because you have the Wacky Races in 1968, you have the one that is rebooted in 2017, but between that, you had two others. Ah, in the golden age of spin offs. Because they said Wacky Races was great, but everyone Everyone's favorite character in Wacky Races is obviously Penelope Pitstop, right? Yeah, and that's why she gets her own show. It was a spinoff called The Perils of Penelope Pitstop. I describe her as a female speed racer, like a white blonde speed racer. Her car's kind of Mark Fivey, but like chick Mark Fivey. Yeah, I saw pictures of it before. To be honest, I vaguely remember this show. When it says Penelope Pitstop, I don't remember that character at all. Okay, well, all you gotta remember is she's the chick. There was one, and it was 
was her. Well, that was back in the 60s. That's what they did. They had a girl and she didn't really have a personality. Well, you got to remember, this is a different time. That was the first woman ever allowed to drive. <laughs> a woman driver only in a cartoon. That's right. Oh, they do anything in these cartoons, can't they? That Walt Disney. <laughs> this was Hanna-Barbera, wasn't it? Yeah, I like to give all cartoons credit to Disney. <laughs> and the other show they did was Dastardly and Muttley's Flying Machine. Muttley and Dick Dastardly were the stars of the show. I do know them. They're kind of iconic. Yes. Because they were the villains. And Muttley went on to do other things himself. He was in other cartoons. But this one, they said, you know what would be great? You know how, like, you drive a car that's kind of like a rocket? Well, what if you actually drove, like, an actual plane? It's the same freaking idea, but planes instead of cars. Well, I want to dive into this TV show thing, because I think they're going to have a list of characters here. They are. So let's take you back, all the way back to the year 1968. Man had yet to put his footprint upon that surly rock in the sky known as the moon. That is true. We hadn't got to the moon till the next year. No one knew about Michael Jackson. (laughs) Steve Irwin was yet to be born and or die. No one knew about video games yet. Was Pong around then? When did Pong come out? I don't think so. I think Pong was definitely towards the end of the 70s. Didn't we? Yeah, because I remember it coming up in that 70s show. And also we did an episode about it. I was going to say, shouldn't we know this by now? I mean, I don't pay attention to myself or you, but like... I don't know. We've done episodes on a lot of things. We have. That's true. Hey, video games was kind of recent. It was. I was about to quiz you on robots. (laughs) Have we even done robot? (laughs) Now we are at the point we look at the list and you go, oh, remember this? Like, no. (laughs) They don't have pictures. Okay, so everyone, if you don't remember this, every one of the characters has like a theme or something. So there's the Slag Brothers. They look like Captain Caveman. They do. Like Cousin It with the nose and arms. And he always has the club. But there's two of them. And it's powered by them hitting each other on the head with the clubs. That's not a great way to get around. Well, have you tried it? No, but I imagine it would hurt your head. Also, it's weird that they're the Slag Brothers because <coughs> Slag is the stuff you chip off when you weld things and they're from the Stone Age before welding and metal. Yeah, you think they'd be like the Slate Brothers or something. That's way better. That's genius. <laughs> and they go around in a boulder. That's why they had to make them brothers because you can't have the Slag sisters. <laughs> That's mean. So every episode they would just be bashing each other on the head to make their thing go. Because even the Flintstones had like a hole cut out in the bottom of theirs. Yeah, they Flintstone the car. No, these guys, they don't use their legs. So they just hit each other on the head. Cool. So who else have we got? And the Gruesome Twosome, which that's like the haunted house car. I can't believe they don't have their own separate pages. Every character here, you're having to Google to find them. Yeah, oh, so yeah. the Gruesome Twosome. So there's the big Frankenstein, but if he was like a young guy in the 60s look. Oh my God, that's like Brendan's cartoon. It's like what? The oh co- yeah. Coffee Goblin. It is a bit Coffee Goblin, isn't it? We just recently plugged that on the last episode. We did. And like, well, I, want, I look at it every day. Yeah, that's pretty similar. We got like a vampire type guy and a big burly kind of guy. Yeah, except his other guy is smaller, but basically the same. Gruesome twosome. That's right. And yeah, and in their uh, car, it was basically like a haunted mansion on wheels. So there's always a cloud above it raining. I remember there was a cartoon series of the Adams family where they had a very similar car. I think theirs wasn't actually a mansion car though. It was just like a, uh, Uh, you might have to put in cartoon. Yeah. Because they have like an old teetotaler kind of car. Oh no, you are 100% correct. That's very similar, except the Adams family is a little more luxurious. Yeah, they've got like an extra kind of floor in there, I'd say. But other than that, that's like exactly the same. So they stole the Adams Family car. No, I think the Adams Family stole their car because the Adams Family TV show would predate it. They didn't have that kind of car. But the Adams Family cartoon came after Wacky Races. It's weird. I forgot about that. that there was an Adams Family show where they were basically like the Scooby Doo gang and they would go around and. The do picture stuff. you're looking at is a Scooby Doo episode. Uh, they probably crossed over. They all cross over. Scooby Doo crossed over 
over with everyone. Yeah, they crossed over with the Harlem Globetrotters. And I'm like, how is that a cartoon crossover? They're a basketball team. They crossed over with Batman and Robin and fought Penguin and the Joker. Holy Toledo. Really? There's even a thing of them there with it. <laughs> and it was the Adam West Batman too. And they yeah. actually got Adam West and Burt Ward in to do it. Oh, that's so cool. When was it filmed though? Was it done back when... Because Scooby-Doo was first made when the original Batman was up, wasn't it? So it would have been around the same time. So it is an old thing that they did, yeah. It is definitely an old thing. I remember seeing it when I was a kid. I remember there was a videotape that we had that had Scooby-Doo and Batman and Scooby-Doo and Sonny and Cher. Holy fuck. Really? Yes. That's hilarious. But I feel we need to re... Oh, it's a bit late because Adam West has died, hasn't he? Yes. I mean, that's the perfect opportunity to bring him back. I want to see Batman and Robin, Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo. There is actually... They did try and reboot the 1960s Batman in a way. They've brought it back as a comic book series. Like a cartoon or a comic book? As a comic book, but also as a cartoon. They did some like short movies that go for about an hour, hour and 10 minutes. Oh, cool. And they managed to get them out before Adam West died. So it's actually Adam West and Burt Ward doing the (gasps) voices. That's so cool. Reprising their role in animation because they can't do the roles anymore because they're way too old. But in animation, they lived on. I'll be honest. If Burt Ward and Adam West, old men came out and did Batman and Robin, I'd watch it out of respect. I'd give them that. There was a good movie that they did as well called Return to the Batcave. Oh, okay. It was years afterwards. Oh, so like it is actually them as older people. Yeah, so they're older and they're going to a TV exhibit where the Batmobile's being honored and then the lights go out and the Batmobile's been stolen and there's a riddle there. (gasps) Yes! And so they decide that they're the best people to track down the Batmobile. Because they they are. So they go back and do it. And it keeps cutting between that story and the story of when the Batman series first started and how they got their jobs. So there's younger guys playing younger versions of them. Oh, this is like a real life TV thing. It's a little TV movie. I know the kind. Like they did the same sort of thing about Gilligan's Island. Sort Mm. of like a documentary reenactment, but also with the live actors talking about it. Was the Riddler old as well? Yes, they had. Yes! They had the Riddler and Catwoman. They still had the same. They had, was it Which Frank Catwoman? Gorf, Julie Newmar. That's nice. But yeah, Scooby-Doo, they teamed up with everyone. There's nothing special about teaming up with Scooby-Doo. I'm sure eventually we will team up with Scooby-Doo. No, I really want to do something with Gizmo. <clears throat> I'd like to pick up all the people who destroyed TV shows and make like a reality show for them. Wait, when you say Gizmo, what are you From doing? From Flintstones. From Flintstones. Yeah, he, the, yeah that I alien went to Gremlins. Dis- oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, a little mogwai call. <laughs> Thanks, Garth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. Professor Pat Pending. First off, cool name. I don't remember him. Let's Get look at him. Get a picture and see if it jogs a memory for you. Oh, yeah. I only remember his car because he's like a crazy professor and he's got like a science car. Looks kind of like a plane with bicycle wheels that has no wings. I'd say it's like a 60s science thing. That's probably the best description because there's a propeller and <clears throat> gauges. Actually, is it a boat that's just had wheels put on it? It's a boat plane car. That doesn't look like it's going to hold together. That looks like it's going to fall apart. Especially because he's got an umbrella above him. Yeah, that's going to blow off the second he picks up any speed. I mean, it's right in front of a propeller. It's going to be sucked into that. Wow, these races are wacky. Ho ho. They did all have themed cars to match them. Yeah, that's the fun of it. Though so far, I think his car might be winning. Yeah, other than a boulder with guys hitting each other over their head. Yeah, that's a hard no for me. Yeah, that's not how I get to places. Actually, the house car, the, the Adams family house car. It wouldn't be keeping up with this professor. This guy's got pretty lightweight that's a whole house 
Yeah, it's kind of like an RV. I mean, to win the race, I would not like it. How would you feel like you're living in a trailer park and that caravan rocks up? There goes the neighborhood. <laughs> Though I remember the premise with the Adams Family one is the house was actually much bigger than it seems. It has a whole like... Oh, it's bigger on the inside? Yeah, TARDIS thing going. That's just lazy drawing. I don't want to make them all squished in there. Can we just make it bigger? Sure, it's a cartoon. We can do whatever we want. What about Red Max? Ah, that's the pilot. Essentially the Red Baron. Well, uh, they're showing a lot of chainsaws and... It turns out Red Max is a Apparently some sort of two-stroke engine brand. So we're looking at chainsaws and uh, weed whackers. There, there he is. Go. So it's just a plane with wheels. Jesus, he has a machine gun at the front of his. Yeah. Well, I know which car I want now. <laughs> You've made up your I mind. I want the plane one with the machine gun. I don't even care if it doesn't fly. <laughs> Did it fly? It hovered and then fell down. You can see in the picture that we're looking at, which you guys can't see, he's like a foot off the ground. But yeah, from I memory, that was bad drawing. It's bad drawing, but they put the shadow in. From memory, it goes up and down. So it's just constantly like a Mexican car with the high Hydraulics hitting the switches. Did he ever shoot people? I don't know. I don't remember. He might have tried to, but it shot up his propeller or something. But I may have just made that up. I bet that's not in the remake. <laughs> I bet they didn't give him a machine gun at the front of his. Especially because he's a reference to a World War One German plane pilot. And literally the only one on here that has a Wikipedia page is Penelope Pitstop. Now, she was more popular than you think. I'm starting to think maybe this is like, you know those guys that like jerk off to anime. <laughs> this is their thing. This is where it all started. Penelope Pitstop. Until then, like, cartoons only had crickets dancing. Then someone went, let's put a blonde chick in a cartoon and guys went, I think we can go to my room for a second. See, her car kind of creeps me out. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious because it's the most car looking car we've looked at so far. Yeah, but its face creeps me out and the fact that a car even has a face creeps me out. It does. It has big lips. It has eyelashes above the headlights. The headlights are kind of tear shaped you know like cute girl's eyes do you know what I think it is though is because the headlights are just white there's no pupil there's no pupil and it makes it look evil and soulless and it looks demonic to me I think if you just put little dots in there if you make said, all yeah. the difference yeah just let us know where it's looking and also things without a nose are generally creepy that is true yeah and there's no nose on that like snakes don't have a nose and that's why they're creepy no, snakes are creepy because they don't have eyebrows or shoulders so you never know if they're confused or mad snakes are scary because they're so simplistic. They need more detail to be less scary. I am absolutely petrified of snakes. I don't play with them. I don't like them. I don't care to understand them. But I don't fully understand how they move. Like, <laughs> like, you know, you can describe it to me. I understand the whole contraction expansion thing doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, when you see it, it's weird. <clears throat> yeah, when you see people pick them up and they like grab the snake around the neck, why can't it then just contract and expand through the grip? Why is it stuck there? I don't get that. That's my big fear is that I try to grab a snake and it just be like trying to put toothpaste back in a tube <laughs> I'd be grabbing it just be constantly going out like I can't get a handle on it while it's biting at you and wriggling <laughs> out and plus they're really strong and I don't know if it's mad or if it's curious there's no eyebrows it doesn't have one raise it doesn't shrug its shoulders I don't know what's gonna happen does it love me does it hate me I'm pretty sure snakes are just programmed to hate things yeah I'm pretty sure you know it doesn't love you yeah I don't know a snake's capable of love I don't know I mean I've known people who've had snakes as pets that would say so but I I don't think reptiles in general yeah. can love you. The definition of pet to be put on a snake is a very loose term. No, that's just an animal in your house. Yeah, anything that you've got to keep in a cage. Because it will kill you if it gets out. Then it's probably not a great pet. Mm. Fish are arguably a pet because they're not going to...
gonna hurt you. They have to stay in the little thing, but they don't know you. They don't know you exist. They don't care and they don't remember anyways. See, I think a fish is a pet in the same way a lamp is a pet. I'd say like a plant is a pet. Yeah, that's probably a better analogy. Cause it's actually living. I'm not sure if a fish is really a living creature. <laughs> We're going to start there, are we? I'm not 100% sure on that. We need to sort of redefine what <laughs> life is. I think it might just be a bunch of synapses just doing stuff. Like, they don't think, do they? I mean, let's go back. I mean, plants are living. But plants don't think. So there are living things that don't think. Correct. And I think fish fall into that category. I think of fish is at the top end of plants. Oh, uh, you're getting into a very deep thing here, which I do agree. But then where's the line? Because technically all we are <laughs> are just chemical reactions bouncing around. What we consider thought is really just chemicals the same as the fish so see I think the fact that we can question this is a sign that at least we have some thought but maybe the fish question it too it's really hard to tell because they don't have eyebrows or shoulders either I really don't think that I know there's no way I can prove that fish don't think but I am pretty <laughs> positive that fish don't think I think the best way to go about it and this is the scale that I'm happy to use I don't care how unscientific it is if you feel bad eating it it's probably living like fish they're not alive because there are even vegetarians who are like meat is murder Oh yeah, I'll take the tuna. <laughs> Who gives a crap about fish? They're gross and weird. The fillet of fish at McDonald's was brought out for vegetarians. <laughs> not an ounce of meat in it, I guarantee it. No, fish aren't alive, so they're not a pet. Yeah, and cows either. Dogs, they're alive. I'd feel bad if I had to eat a dog. Mm. Cats too. The thing I find interesting is I've got a cat and if he wanted to leave, there's nothing I could really do to stop him. Yes. No matter how much I try and keep him inside, he always figures out how to get out it anyway. If he decides decided, fuck this, I'm not doing it anymore. He's gone. There's he's gone. nothing I can really do about it. Yet every day he always comes back here. Like he's only your pet because he chooses to be your pet, which is a nice feeling. Yeah. You've really had to think this through to find any kind of acceptance from the cat. It's like an abused wife. Like, well, he's still here. He must love me. <laughs> That's what your cat's done to you. But if someone has a bird and they let it out of the cage, that bird's gone. It's, it's not coming back. Which I know people who have birds as pets and it's a weird relationship because that's the step above fish they say that the bird recognizes them and listens to their commands but do they a lot of people will go like oh yeah my fish remembers me and he likes to go in this spot like he comes up to say hi to me no that's just away from the filter or something you <laughs> just decided that because you look at this fish too much it doesn't know your name it doesn't even know you exist <laughs> whereas a bird knows you exist <clears throat> the bird sees you feed it but then how good is a bird brain I suppose it depends on the bird because some yeah. are really smart and some are really stupid the little ones that people keep pets seem to be dumb but then you got like parrots and stuff which parrots, parrots are, are pretty smart and they, yeah they are smart enough to get depressed and what's that one that's not a parrot but practically looks like one but bigger a mccoy or something like that well, that's a kind a of parrot or yeah 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 aren't they like the smartest bird or something like that then more the crow but yeah. no one has a crow as a pet yeah, that's a it, creepy fucking pet that's how smart a crow is you can't even pet it it doesn't let you have it as a pet yeah i saw a documentary on crows and like all the intelligent puzzle solving they can do like one that's saw this zebra crossing where there was traffic lights so it would drop a nut there so the cars would run it over and then as soon as the light turned red it would go down and pick it up and it's just like that scares the shit out of me that is so scary they're gonna take us one day and we would never see it coming from the crows uh, yeah it's just gonna drop from above they got the element of surprise on their side for sure and they think
think things through. I remember hanging out at a mate's house one day. Just from outside, we hear this big bang, a loud thud, like a smack. We look out. This crow was fighting another bird. And what they do is they fly around in circles and they go up and up and up and up. And then when they get to a certain height, they grab the other bird and then just body slam them into the concrete. <laughs> Holy crap. Like just put all its weight and then dead weight on top of this other bird. And that's what we heard. This bird smacking another bird. This crow like, like a pro wrestler. Yeah, I'm the man. I'm the crow. <laughs> yeah, I don't like crows. I like crows because they're Odin's reporters. You always find crows in pairs. One sees everything and one remembers everything. So they go, they look at everything and then they go back and report to Odin what's going on. So the one that sees everything, do they then dictate what they saw? Or? I think that's what happens. Like there's one going, hey, look, there's a guy walking down the street. And the other one's like, oh yeah, a guy walking down the street. Yeah, I'll remember that. And then they go back to Odin and I was like, what'd you see? He's like, uh, I'm gonna have to defer to the brain. He saw a guy walking down the street. Ah, this pleases Odin. (laughs) The scariest animal intelligent thing I've ever seen. It was a study they did with orangutans. Okay, that's pretty smart for an animal. We know that they're pretty close to humans. They would put its food in a box or something to see if it could figure out how to get into it. Then they put like a hide over the end of this barrel. So the only way in is through the hide. So it'd get a rock and it like bash its way through it. Then they put a tougher hide on it. Now this is where Planet of the Apes started and I lost my mind. It was too thick a hide to bash through with the rock. So this orangutan, it's like it knew this. It just picked up a rock, threw it at another rock. The rock it threw broke into two. It picked up one of those pieces, which was now a jagged edge and cut the hide open. Oh, wow. So it knew how to make a a blade. Yeah, it made a knife, a knife sharp enough to cut through something. They can use tools now. Well, I know they use the stick to get the ants. Yeah. We know that one, but this is, they're making shivs, man. (laughs) And it knew that. The speed at which it happened was insane. It looked at it, went bang, bang. Oh, that's not going to work. All right, throw that rock and then pick up the piece. It just knew to do that. (laughs) I don't even know to do that. You give me a barrel like that, like on a desert island, you know I'm going to starve to death looking at it. Oh my God, that would be the best thing ever. If we could set it up so there was an orangutan and you, (laughs) and you're both given the exact same problems. (laughs) Who can solve it fastest? I would love to see me just like looking at you just going, look, God, the orangutan solved it an hour ago. And you're like, I'm hungry. It's like, well, figure out the puzzle then. I just want to see the orangutan like mosey on over to me, sort of pat me on the back and then open it for me. Like the orangutan feels bad for me. I sympathize, bro. I mean, I couldn't possibly imagine being that stupid, but I see you're hungry. I've been hungry too. It's okay. (laughs) I would love to see the expression on your face when you realized that the monkey had outsmarted you. Like you would think, well, maybe it was because it was stronger, but it's like it made a tool and opened it. It's like, oh, well, you didn't say I could make tools. (laughs) I thought that like... I I never thought of that. Technically, the orangutan didn't either. It just knew to do that. Oh, it'd be funny seeing the orangutan cut it open and you were still struggling going, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm crying next to it, having like an existential crisis. (laughs) The orangutan just finishes its meal. (laughs) Mosey's over. What's your problem, dude? (sighs) But if it went and opened it for me, that is how any which way but loose starts, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Like, that's how I get my orangutan buddy for life. Like, he's now my best friend. You know, what do you think is the most likely animal that could take us if we weren't the superior species anymore? Cats. You reckon cats? I think they've already manipulated half the population. Well, yeah, there's that manipulation, but they're too dependent on us and they sleep too much. As servants, yeah? What about the cat as a pet does it not like other than
than... Cats don't like costumes, do they? Not overly. No. I think anyone who claims that their cat likes costumes is just in denial. They spend too much time with their cat. Wild pigs are pretty smart, but the second they get close to a human, they become the dumbest animal on the planet because we domesticate them. We're good at stupiding up animals. <laughs> and that's what we do. Because you look at an animal like an orangutan, you go, that's dangerous that they know that. But then if we were to domesticate, if it became an orangutan that lived in a house with people, it'd probably be the stupidest orangutan on the planet. We're We'd... pretty good at stupefying, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at humans. Look how stupid we got. We have made ourselves stupider. We don't need to know things. We've got, like, boxes that do that for us. Yeah, it's this weird sort of blend where we're more capable than ever, but less intelligent than ever. Well, we're just outsourcing all our intelligence. I don't have to remember stuff. I can just Google it. Freeze up all kind of space in your brain for, I don't know, something. Yeah, like, that even helps in this episode with going through these characters. You get to see the pictures and be like, oh, that's right. That's who we're talking about. I mean, not you people listening, but Garth. Which everyone at home, we're still going through the uh, Wacky Races 1968. I did get told by someone that they do look through the Wikipedia page with us, and I've realized we're really bad at telling people which page we're on. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've gone into the subheading of Wacky Races 1968 TV series. We're still going through the characters. We just had a quick look at Penelope Pitstop. Now we're going to have a look at Sergeant Blast and Private Meekly, which is, it's like a tank car. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now that's the one. It's got like bazookas on the sides, a tank track at the back, a steamrolly roller at the front, tank at the top, turret. Don't know if it'd be the fastest, but that'd probably be the one I wouldn't want to mess with the most. Yeah, I thought the machine gun guy was badass, but this guy has like a cannon. The machine gun would do nothing if it was behind this tank. Is that kind of like a Goma Pile sort of guy with him? It is, yes. That's definitely a Goma Pile character. Which that's an even more obscure reference than Wacky Races. (laughs) There's like two people who understood that one. (laughs) Thanks, guys. We appreciate you. I think you were one of them. (laughs) Were you the other? (laughs) Impossibly. Everyone else is like, Goma Pile? How old are these guys? (laughs) <laughs> we're not that old it's just the you know daytime tv when we were kids this is all repeats so yeah he was basically a dumb private with a sergeant who took it too seriously so he would give orders he would fuck it up <laughs> comedy ensues and yeah, exactly i would actually like a car like that but it's a pretty solid car like you know no one else can take you down and is that a rocket launcher on the side that's what i said they had grenade launchers on either side but they're not really positioned like you could use them they're sort of put there like afterburner looking things like it's a rocket that's going to propel the car but it's kind of really impractical you can see a stair climby in front of where it would shoot out I that's think- true if you were climbing the ladder when that shot out then you're dead you'd be blowing up but I, yeah I could take that round go shopping in that one I'd be happy technically that's a half track actually not just a tank ah the anthill mob this is like seven little tiny gangsters that all kind of drive the same car at the same time and one of them is just Al Capone meh see meh boys one guy they got on the hood meh he's just standing there see Oh, there you go. That's all of them there. You've got Clyde, Ring-A-Ding, Mac, Danny. Rug, Bug, Benny. Willie and Kirby. I never knew their names. Wasn't Kirby like a pink ghost that ate things? It's a Nintendo thing. Is Kirby a Pokemon? No, it's not a Pokemon. It's not? Was it a video game? It was a video game. Okay, it was also a toy. Was it a toy first? No, I think it was a video game and they made toys from the video game. A pink ghost, right? That just swallows things. And you're sure it's not a Pokemon? I'm positive it's not a Pokemon. Like, I believe you. I just, I honestly thought that. (laughs) Because why else would it exist? 
It just seems very Pokemon-y. Because this guy. What does he do? Other He's than a pink ghost. Here's a game. It's a pretty simple game because you can fly. Ah. And you can just swallow enemies. Oh, that's right. He can breathe in air and that allows him to float. He's probably most famous for being in the Super Smash Brothers series. That's probably that's where, where I get most confused. people have played with him. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, the Anhill mob. So they all talk like old-timey <clears throat> gangsters. So when you're naming these guys and you get ring-a-ding, ring like, a- how do you come up with that? <laughs> you gotta remember, this is 1968. I think that's a pretty gangster name for 1968. Meh, ring-a-ding, bring him up here, meh. What else was on at this time that was a cartoon about gangster-type things? Top Cat. And so these think- guys were the Top Cat guys, essentially. Essentially, yeah. They were the Ant Cats. Top Ant Cat. Mm-hmm. Which, um, Top Cat was just Sergeant Bilko. Yeah. We're getting all those references in, aren't we? <laughs> well, Sergeant Bilko had a movie in the 90s with Steve Martin. Which, yeah, if you saw that, it's pretty much just uh, another version of Mikhail's Navy, which was <laughs> remade in the 90s with Tom Arnold. See, I love your habit of going, oh, this obscure thing, it's just like this more, more obscure, obscure thing. thing. <laughs> yeah, but they're all Hogan. just a ripoff of Hogan's Heroes, so... <laughs> I have never heard of Hogan's Heroes. I know nothing about that show. You've seen nothing? I've seen nothing. You heard nothing? Hogan! Lazy Luke, as opposed to Daisy Duke? Genius! Now, this is, sorry, this is the next one we're up to. I think it's called the Hillbilly Express or something is the name of their car. And he has a bear? Yeah, it's a bear and a redneck. Oh, I hope they win. <laughs> they've won some. Well, they've all won some. That's a good question. We'll have to look at that because they do have on the Wikipedia page all the winners. Oh, do they? We can see who was the champion of Wacky Races. Everyone who's seen the show knows that the main star in it is Dick Dastardly. You can't make shows like this anymore where every episode is just a race. They literally remade this show in 2017. I think you can make shows like this these days. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm sure they changed. I haven't watched it. I'm sure it's different now. Like, <laughs> it's not about more... racing anymore. Yeah, it's probably like a plot twist that happened in it. But you know, the same thing happened every episode in the original series. Dick Dastardly shot out in the league because he has a really fast car and then decided he wanted to make sure he'd win. So to make sure he'd win, he'd pull over and then set up something that would wreck everyone else's chances. He'd cheat by putting up a trap or something. But in doing so, everyone else would drive past him and he'd get caught in his trap. But I hear, I never saw it, but I heard there was an episode where Dick Dastardly won. So I'm keen to check out those results. Well, there had to be at least one. It would take you off guard. They got Lazy Luke, though, as driving it with his feet. And Blubber Bear as his uh, sidekick. Was it Blubber Bear because he was like blubbering as in whinging? Yes. Or because he was fat? Well, he's not that fat but he always is blubbering and you can see they're both sitting on a rocking chair that's connected to nothing on this car yeah that feels unsafe what feels even more unsafe is they're both sharing the same seat this guy is literally the little spoon in a bear hug he's in the bear's crutch and he's like the bottom and the weird thing is the bear is the scared one well i don't want to know what's happening with that guy's butt then (laughs) what's it do to bear penis i don't know but it's clearly scary the guy can drive with his feet he's got some weird coordinations who knows what that sphincter's doing it even looks like he's got his eyes closed, like he's having a nap. He's having... <laughs> so his car probably is one of the ones I'd least like. Ah, now the next one. Peter Perfect, the guy who is the perfect man and his car always falls apart, is the gag. <laughs> he's the perfect man. He's got a strong chin. He is dressed like Speed Racer and his car is like the Mark V if it was a drag car. It does look like a drag car. And it falls apart. That's the whole gag. And He's, he's always... kind of got a Roger Ramjet-esque vibe. <laughs> yeah, like all-American hero kind of look. I do love that he has a monogrammed shirt, which is PP. <laughs> 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 it's, it's a urine joke. 
<laughs> He's also got the same body shape and face shape of Stan from American Dad. Yes, I dare say they took it from this. It does look like this heavily influenced that character, yeah. It's all the chin, because that's a noble chin. Like, it's a chin of someone who is clearly heroic. Yeah, it is definitely the same shape face for sure. Wow, that is Stan from American Dad. Let's go one further. Penelope Pitstop, who Peter Perfect's always trying to hit on Penelope Pitstop, because that's PP and PP. Just one big uh, wet party. <laughs> I dare say she looks like Stan's wife in American Dad, Francine. Does a little, yeah. They're both blonde. They're both like of like attractive figure. This was them when they were younger. <laughs> it's like younger versions of Stan and Francine from American Dad. It is. Ah, Which, I is that show still going? American Dad, yeah. I think so. <laughs> I claimed I knew and then backed out really quickly just then. Because I used to watch it, but then they did all their plots and then it started to get weird. But there is something that I love about that. When a show makes it to like season nine and they've done every storyline and things start to get weird, they're like, what if the characters went to space? I love when a show hits that point. Yep. When they go, you know what? All the plots we have can't be contained in one episode. So they start doing these three episodes things. South Park did it. Family Guy does it religiously. American Dad did it. I don't think <laughs> The Simpsons. Yeah, they did do it. Who shot Mr. Burns? I also love when a show is losing cast members. Oh, yeah. When they lose three or more cast members, that's when the storylines really get good because they start introducing new people then. Oh, it always sucks. It's always some horrible because it's pre-planned. Like everything happened organically and these characters end up being what they are. And then suddenly Poochie comes on. How would you feel though if like, let's say there was a show that was running and they're up to like season five and they're like, look, the show's getting a little stale. So we want to bring you on as an extra character. I would love to be Arthur MacArthur from Hey Dad <laughs> without the pedophile thing that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, cause he replaced Nudge. Nudge was this stupid guy, but let's get a sassy little fat kid in who will later do toilet roll commercials. <laughs> I would live on that. That's the kind of thing I find exciting and happy. Oh my God, I get to be the guy who ruins the show. <laughs> I would give it my best and I'd be so heavily into it. Like you're the marker for when they say like, when did this show jump the shark? It's like, oh, when Garth joined the cast for sure. <laughs> Oh, it's like being Andy Dick. <laughs> Jumping the shark gets replaced with hiring Garth. <laughs> so when exactly did the show hire Garth? <laughs> I'd say the, the episode where we jumped the shark <laughs> finally comes back around. All right, so finally, the last character, Rufus Roughcut. He was a lumberjack and wisely made his wheels out of saw blades because that's how you get good grip. And he has a beaver with him. Because beavers make dams. I like that idea, actually that they probably started as enemies but then they realised that they had common goals. Yeah, we both take down trees and cut them up into smaller pieces. And both our mother's names are Martha. <gasps> oh my god, we can be friends now. Ah, oh, what a DC universe. <laughs> the saw blades for wheels seems pretty cool. You'd get good traction. Well, I don't think you would. Like, some places, yes. Like, if it's a hard ground, but if it's a soft ground, the whole point of a saw blade is to cut. Yeah, it might be a bit thin, actually. If you put a couple of saw blades in, although <clears throat> it would depend which way the saw blade faces. Because if you put them on backwards, I think that'd be uh, really good. And in motocross, they have tires called hookers. They're specifically designed for sand and it's essentially a big flap that's like a backward saw blade. So I stand by this. Why did they have to have themed cars though? Like why couldn't these guys be in the tank? Because everything's about being a stereotype, <laughs> especially in the 60s. You stay in your lane. If you're in the army, you're not a lumberjack. If you're a lumberjack, stay the fuck out of the army. Because I'm trying to think of like the advantages and disadvantages to the team because he's quite a big guy, which is going to weigh that car down. The beaver is a lot smaller than the other guys though. Like if you compare Rufus with his beaver to the 
redneck and his bear, oh, they'd the... average out to about the same, I'd say. But, you know, the bear guy's also got a lot of weight because he's got a bear. Well, that's what I mean. Like, Rufus is a big guy, but the bear's a big guy. But the redneck's kind of a thin guy, but the bear would weigh more than Rufus, but the beaver would weigh less than the thin guy, so it kind of average out. This is the thing. I think the Slag Brothers, right? Because they seem to have the most compact car, apart from it being powered by the moronic way that they've got to hit each other on the head. And the fact that it's made out of rock. I mean, yeah, that would make it weigh a lot. Because I'm trying to think of who would have the lightest car. Red Max, the one that flies. Of course, yeah. Because it actually attains lift. But he wouldn't get traction. But then you don't need traction because he's going off propeller power. So traction is actually a bad thing. He wants less friction. So yeah, I'd probably rather his car. Because they have a machine gun on the front too. The professor's car was pretty good, Pat Pending. And I believe it does like go-go gadget stuff. If he's crossing water, it turns into a boat. If he needs to fly, he can fly. It can do different things. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, I didn't see any of the features of the car. Like, the Anthill Mob just have a regular gangster car. I think out of all of them, not for a race, I'd definitely like to have the tank car for going to the shops. But other than that, we're just checking out Dick Dastardly. I got distracted. Sorry, I was trying to look for his car. He has a good car. See, his car is... It's a rocket. It's the only car that's actually a car that has, like, a huge powering. And he has spikes coming out of the middle of his hubcaps. Oh, that's handy. You need them in a race. Especially in the 60s. He has the best car. And if he didn't try to cheat, he'd always win. Because he always gets in front and then stops to be like, oh, I better win. Someone made it in real life. I think several people did by the looks of it. And that kind of looks like a, I want to say like, yeah, Warner Brothers Movie World kind of place. It does look a bit like that. Oh, wow. It really does look like Warner Brothers Movie World. And yeah, Penelope Pitstop and her car. And it looks even creepier in real life. It really does. Like, I don't like that. Yeah. It's kind of a thing. I'm I'm worried I'm going to have a nightmare that this car is going to eat me now. (laughs) Me, me. Ah! And that was in a children's cartoon. (laughs) Oh, it was the 60s. Have you ever seen Willy Wonka, man? That's some scary shit. You ever seen Mary Poppins? Some scary shit happens in kids' stuff back then. I guess the idea was just traumatize them and then they won't be doing bad stuff because they'll be scared. Willy Wonka is one of those weird movies where it looks like it was made on acid because you can see when their acid peaked and then when it mellowed down and then when it peaks back up again. Yes, like when something like, oh, we're going to a cave. Oh, that makes me think of bad things. And then weird stuff happens. But he goes through the door and it's like, oh, it's okay now. Ah, I'm in a wonderful meadow where everything's edible. Yeah, that scene where they're on the boat in that cave and all that scary shit's coming up and he's just screaming at them and yelling things. And it's just like, what the fuck was this? (laughs) Even as a kid, I remember being confused of like, why is this part of the movie? Why is there like an ant eating like another bug in the sky? That makes no sense. And where was like the guy, like the director or the editor when they're doing the final polish and they're like, you know this bit where we show disgusting stuff and everyone's really scared and he's yelling? Is that essential to the plot? Uh, yes, that's the most vital thing in the whole movie. Without it, this movie makes no sense. (laughs) It's just midgets dancing. It's like, this is already a movie where you're killing children. Because I'm positive that all of those kids die. When the girl became the blueberry, they're like, oh, we'll just take her to the juice room. But I don't think when they take the juice out of her, she's going to be alive. I think they're using the juice to make more candy. So yeah, that is probably the best car. I'd probably want his car. I wouldn't cheat because ironically, not cheating would help me win. As is the lesson of Wacky Races. That's all you have to learn. Get a fast car and don't cheat. And now here's the amazing thing. We're looking down at the list of the episodes. There was only 17. Two races an episode, 17 episodes. I remember it being a lot more than that. See, I'm interested in the results here. Oh yeah, let's look at that race results. The Slag Brothers, they were in car number one. Okay, they came first three times. Oh, it's all the way down the bottom. Dick Dastardly has never, ever 
never won anything. He's never come first, second, or third. Because cheaters never prosper. Whereas everyone else has come first three or four times. Though if you look here, it's the Slag Brothers that are the winner because they've been in the top three 14 times. But that's because they've come second so many times. The most wins go to... Oh, there's a few of them because they all won four times. You got the Anhill Mob, Penelope Pitstop, Luke and Blubber Bear, and... Oh, Peter Perfect came first four times as well. Well, of course, he's perfect. His car's not. But the Slag Brothers came second eight times. Rufus Roughcut came second six times. Other than that, everyone's way below. That's interesting. So I don't know, that idea of hitting each other on the head, it turns out it's a real efficient way to get around. But then we look at the Sergeant Blast and Private Meekly. They came second last after Dick Dustley. They won three times, but then they only got a second place and that's it. Ah. That's interesting. Is this kind of an anti-military thing? Well, everyone's won definitely at some point. They, they've with clearly... exclusion of Dick Dastardly and Martley, obviously. But... Like you can see a deliberate pattern to make sure everyone gets like an even amount of wins. But then the seconds and thirds sort of go all over the place. I think that's more plot driven. And here's some critiquing the Wikipedia page here. It says the grand total of wins for everyone. And it lines up for first, second and third being 34. Yeah, because Because there's... there was 17 episodes, two each. races each. Well, you don't need to add all those numbers up. That's kind of a useless number there. I like it. It confirms that, yeah, that's... That's correct. It's for fact checking. It doesn't say citation needed because of that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm interested in this Penelope pit stop spin-off thing. We can go have a look at that. Because I did not know that existed. I'm amazed that that is actually a show. Perils of Penelope pit stop. So for those playing at home, we've just clicked on the Perils of Penelope pit stop page. That's what we're looking at now. <laughs> You're taking this like feedback really seriously now of like for those following along at home. Well, it wasn't until someone pointed it out to me that I'm like, yeah, we just assumed that no one's going to do that. And it's really fun to go along with us so they can look at what we're looking at they can look at the resources because we say some shit that's not very clear and people go wait did Wikipedia say that or did they say that <laughs> they need to know whether it's cited or not and when I've listened back to us you have no idea that we're even looking at a Wikipedia page I put some things in the show notes I know so. it's in the show notes but no but that is what, how they get to it too they use the yeah. show notes to jump to it but like no, you'll see the list of all the characters that we just talked about then will be in the show notes enjoy that guys I will I love anything in the show notes where I can just go copy paste. <laughs> okay, so looking straight at the perils of Penelope Pissed Up, immediately I can see that the anthill mob are in it. Yes, they are. Every woman's peril. Short men. And who's the dude in the green hat? I don't know. And glasses. Either he's a new character that they've decided to add in because it'll be a clear success or he's one of the anthill mob. Kind of looks like he has a dick dastardly vibe to him. He's wearing green. He has a big hat, but he does have the mask over the eyes. Yeah, that I wasn't sure if it was a shadow or he's wearing a mask over his eyes. But I think he also has glasses at the tip of his nose. Yeah, he's gone to a lot of effort to disguise himself. Do you think it is just Dick Dastardly in disguise? It could be. It might be. Because I've never heard of this show before. You know when you hear something, you go, why is that the show they picked? Penelope Pitstop has perils. Like, it's just a southern girl driving around in her possessed demon car running into perils. Oh, they got the anthill mob in it, but they're, they're a different, different one. names. They got Yak Yak. And, and Dum Dum. And Snoozy. Pockets. Softy. Zippy. Chugaboom. And Sylvester Sneakily. Or the Hooded Claw. Ooh, is the guardian of Penelope Pitstop. And the main antagonist of the spinoff who has motives to kill Penelope because of her vast fortune. Is so, that the guy in the green hat? Um, yeah, that's the Dick Dastardly guy. I'm going to guess. Yeah, and then there's also the Bully Brothers. The Hooded Claw's henchman. Sylvester Sneakily is <laughs> the Hooded Claw. And he's trying to get her money. Oh, no way. In voice actors, they got Mel Blanc. Oh, 
my god who's famous for doing Bugs Bunny yeah he was the man among many others that's the guy so he not only did Bugs Bunny he also did Yak Yak and Chugaboom and the Bully Brothers <laughs> Bully that often happens you'll notice with a lot of cartoon people they do like three voices they're voice actors that's what he does Mel Blanc the only reason you know him is because of the voices he does so yeah you'd think he'd have a range well that's the thing if they hire you for voice acting for one rate they can get you to do three voices if they get you to a fourth that costs them extra so they rarely get someone to do four voices <laughs> but if they've got you there anyway they're like I'll do extra voices and so sometimes you'll be like a main character but also someone in the crowd as well they're not gonna hire a new guy for that. Yeah, screw that. And this is voice actors and there's character actors. And you'll find a lot of character actors do get voice work because they have a weird voice. So there are people who are very identifiable. You know the Secret Life of Pets? Yes. The sequels come out now or recently. I don't know how recently. And the main character is that fluffy white dog. It's this girl. She has a very high-pitched kind of voice. Very nasally high-pitched voice. Yeah, I know the girl who you're talking about. Which I've seen her in the TV show Girls. and She also does stand-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in a lot of different things. And she was in Community, Not Community, sorry. Uh, Parks and Rec. If anyone who watched it, she was John Ralphio's sister, who was just awful. She was the <laughs> worst. awful. She's done a lot of cartoons because of her voice. No one gets her in there and goes, hey, while you're here, could you do like a scruffy guy as well? It's like, do your voice and leave. She doesn't even have to put on a voice. That's just her voice. No, I do remember because I've seen the first Secret Life of Pets, which had Louis C.K. Oh, I wonder if he's in the sequel. No, but he's character. Is. Are, you, are you serious? Yeah, they have the same character, but because it's a cartoon, you can just Did change the, the actor. But then the voice is different. Yeah, but kids are watching it. It was not a great movie. I kind of liked it. No, it was stupid. Well, I knew it was going to be stupid when it started. So, like, I guess it's just my expectations were far lower than yours. I thought maybe Kevin Hart's character would come in and save it. But even him, I found tedious in that movie. There's another... And I liked him in Jumanji. Really? I did. That movie was just... The like, movie was terrible, but I kind of liked it. Okay, this is how I feel about Kevin Hart, because I've been a fan since before all of you. <laughs> okay, I was into him when I first came across him in a Comedy Central Presents. He did his first half-hour special, and I went, this guy's going to go somewhere. I saw his first movie, Paper Soldiers. You don't even know Paper Soldiers. Listen to you out there. All right, so if we've established I'm cool. Yeah, okay. you're the hardcore Kevin Hart fan. Yeah, that's that's what makes people hardcore. Kevin yeah, Hart appreciation. You're a harder. I am. I'm Hardcore. Yeah, he's got a hard on for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Kevin. You forgot where you were going. What were we even talking about? Kevin oh, yeah, Hart. okay, Kevin Hart. Yeah, that's right. So I liked him when he started, and he does some great stand up. And Paper Soldiers is a really good movie, very clever. All his other movies kind of suck. I like seeing him in the movies, but everything else that happens in the movie is just some kind of script that is being redone for black people. White Hollywood went, Yeah, we're done with the script. You can have it. And he went, Oh, cool. Okay, I. I guess I'll be this guy then. See, in his earlier career, he used to play the cool, smooth guy who got all the girls. And then he started playing, like, the guy who got scared. Like, didn't he do, like, a Bucks Night movie where he was, like, the cool guy in the group? Oh, yes, yes. That one was actually a fun one to watch. Kind of a stupid 
movie with an obvious premise and they, you all knew what was going to happen but every single Kevin Hart movie it's just watching him be him yeah. it's a character he does where he's the cocky guy like Paper Soldiers he was that cocky guy but he was a little bitch as well like my favourite line in it he's about to have sex with his girlfriend and then the phone rings and this ghetto guy who he's scared of is like come outside you gotta meet me and then when he comes back to the girlfriend she's like uh no we're not having sex you just interrupted this you can look after yourself and then she's walking off he's like well can you at least leave the lotion by the bed <laughs> just always talking so I appreciate him but that was his first movie Paper Soldiers he did that so he was a little bitch but he does sometimes be the cool nice guy and yeah sometimes he is like the crazy sidekick uh, the comic relief but he does play bitch a lot too see I like him better when he plays bitch see cause that's the whole point he's this little guy who I'm so tough I'm so tough and then you're just waiting for him to fall that's hilarious and yeah so every Kevin Hart movie I've ever seen I like him I don't necessarily <clears throat> like the movie and the whole movies I'm just like can Kevin just get back on screen so I can watch that I forget what it was called but it was like a romantic comedy where he was like the side guy in it where he has a relationship too but the main characters they were just really serious people and it was really dramatic oh we love each other but how are we ever going to get along he's got to you know improve his life but she has to overcome obstacles and I'm just like this is the worst movie ever then Kevin comes on screen you're like ah, okay I'll stay <laughs> if they ever make a real life wacky races I think Kevin Hart should be one of the anthill mob which one of the anthill mob yak yak yeah he would be a total yak yak <laughs> I like that when you said that my immediate response was I don't know which one and then it's like well obviously yeah we both found it <laughs> but he could be softy <laughs> or pockets and then maybe the rock can come in and play dum dum <laughs> no he'd be chugaboom <laughs> yeah I could see him as chugaboom <laughs> Which, just to be fair, that is a car, which Kevin Hart would drive. On YouTube, we can see the opening for it. So it's just eyes at the start. She's a damsel in distress, even in her own show. The whole plot she, of the show is she's a damsel in distress. She's just being chased by some creepy guy. Which, that's not really okay. Like, shouldn't someone help her? Wait, they're the rescuers? Wait, so the mob's looking after this girl, but then there's a villain. And he is wearing a mask. Yeah. You are right, yeah. That was the bully brothers that work for him. Oh so my God, it's like, you remember the... Uh, they actually I was about to say like the girl tied to the train tracks with the evil guy with the twirly moustache that's exactly what's happening he just tied her to a rock and launched it off a catapult but then they caught her it's kind of like the bad guy in this and Wiley Coyote meet up to have meetings about like what they should do yeah like they probably have the same membership to Acme well that just looks awful I gotta be honest it does look awful so she's not even the hero she's just always in trouble goes and around and Hill Mob keeps saving her which they don't sound like standard good guys. No, that's a plot twist, isn't it? Because they're little guys. There's a bunch of... This is kind of like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, really. It basically is. I think there was a comparison drawn somewhere with that, saying that the Ant Hill mob sharing much in common with the Seven Dwarfs. Because, yeah, they're little and there's like seven of them. And that's probably why they got different names to the Wacky Races version. Do you think anyone, like, complained? Oh, they're doing a spin-off. Penelope Pitstop. Oh, I like it. The Ant Hill mob's gonna be in it. Oh, they're my favourite. I'm so glad that I'm gonna see the Ant Hill mob again. And then they come on, you're like, who the fuck are these guys? What the hell is this shit? To be outraged and have no one even understand why you're outraged? See, back in those days, continuation was not a problem when it came to those. Like, there is literally cartoons where you can see where people's clothes change color from shot to shot. Because they spent like 10 bucks animating it. Like, when their skin color, for some reason, in this shot is brown and then it's yellow here and then it's back to brown. Yeah. There's some famous clips that have turned up on YouTube that a 
from the old Ninja Turtle series in the 90s. Rock on. And there are times where their colours would change. Yes, I remember that. And sometimes they would all be wearing red. Because uh, animation's really cheap when you send it to Korea and they don't really speak English or know what you want. In that Batman meets the Scooby-Doo gang cartoon that we were talking about earlier, there's a part in that where Batman wears his tights over his legs. But one of the animators just thought that that was just the leg of his skin. So it looks like he's wearing like just his underwear and he's just got his legs. Oh. And it's only for like a little bit, a couple of frames, and then it goes back to normal. I like to imagine in the actual cartoonist lab where someone's like, all right, just draw Batman. Okay, I'm drawing Batman. Batman." Dude, why is he only wearing underwear? I thought Batman just wore underwear. Dude, we can't use that. Like, like, well, are we going to redo it? No, I can't afford to redo it. You've already drawn it. It'll be fine. They're kids. They're stupid. I've wondered about getting a cartoon made by some of those Korean animators. The ones that don't really give a shit. Because how much could that cost? In Australian money? I don't know, like 43 cents? Because a lot of it is you get what you get. Yeah. Like you can't give them too specific instructions because they don't do that. This is actually a big problem in dealing with China and all industry. I know a guy who uh, they print on mugs. That's what they do. People say, put this on a mug for us. So they get their mugs made and sent to them from China. Now, when they first started, they got some UBUT mugs. You know, they asked for the mug. You know, they got given a demo mug. Like, this is a great mug. These are the mugs we're going to sell. And the first shipment they got was just beautiful. Then the mugs started being different sizes. (laughs) And I've had people tell me they go over to inspect the factories and they're like, well, they got two factories working hard. But the problem is they only actually have enough employees for one factory. So when they go to inspect one factory, the employees are all there. And then to take them to the next factory, they sort of take them on a detour and all the employees run over to the other factory to fill it up. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. They just bank on the fact that white people can't tell Asians apart. Exactly. Because they don't want to go like, is that the same guy? They just go, no, that's racist. Exactly. Are you going to be that white person in the middle of China going, weren't you all at the last factory? No, that's the exact worst time to be white. (laughs) That's the worst time to put that whiteness out there. I mean, you do that in the middle of Australia, there's bound to be some bogan who's going to go, ha, that's good. Yeah, yeah, you tell him, mate. You do that in China, you're not leaving China. We'll have to remember this when we get all our humidor merchandise out. Damn straight. I kind of look forward to the idea of it being kind of busted. Because that way, when people buy merchandise off us, then they have this comment, like, people go, oh, you got a humidor t-shirt. Yeah, but it doesn't matter what you order, you kind of just get what you're given. There's like wiki review shirts with the logo warped. I think that's a cool idea. Like, I kind of look like I've had a stroke on it. (laughs) Just it's a little faded to the left. And my face has been like half cropped off. (laughs) It just says key review. (laughs) (laughs) With this extra space for some reason on the other side of me. <laughs> and on that side, the picture's looped, so that's where it says the we oui. at the start. <laughs> Key and review, we. Oui. Part of my face. <laughs> that's where you are. you're split. You're just the board. Your bumpers in our picture. <laughs> uh, who wouldn't want that? And I'm like, well, in fairness, it was six cents a shirt. <laughs> exactly. The markup pays for itself. <laughs> we'll pass the saving slavings on to you guys. <laughs> To be honest, wouldn't you prefer that to the actual product? You've got an option. Like, if I come out and I go, you can have this wiki review t-shirt. It's the symbol of us on it. It says wiki review. Or this key review we. <laughs> you kind of can't not get that. It's like all the shirts we're selling are one of a kind. Thank you, China. <laughs> it's because the machine just does something random every time. <laughs> but yeah, so we should send some stuff to... What do you need to send to animators to get them to do an animation? That's what I want to know. Like, what exactly do they do? Do you 
have to draw things and give them to them, or do you just say, "Hey, make a cartoon for me"? I don't know. It doesn't. I don't speak Korean, so I don't, I don't know what they're Korean. being told. I've, I have no context for this whatsoever. I've never hired neither have I people to do anything from overseas. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of you can get programmers on a site called Anything for a Fiver. So for five bucks, they'll do some programming for you, but it's mostly your website stuff. And I imagine that's you get what you get, but also <laughs> it's only just people who go, "Oh, you want that? Copy, paste, done." Like if it's something that it's beyond copy paste they probably go I'm not doing that piss off do you know how long that's gonna take but I think a lot of the people that you get on that website are people from India and so forth and in the accounting world they're starting to outsource to places like the Philippines and stuff which that's a little scary because you know like that's all your tax details and stuff going to a third world country I mean that would be an interesting exercise to just write a short little cartoon and see how much it will cost to get made and then just see the finished result wouldn't it just be hilarious to see that finished result <laughs> Especially knowing, like, we can't draw. Well, I know I can't draw. Can you draw, Ben? No, I cannot draw. You know I can't draw. <laughs> That's true. You did do the original bear dog. Yeah, I did draw the logo for Humidor originally. Well, sorry, let, let me be fair. You drew a clown, yeah. which Ali, who can draw very well, saw this picture of your clown and went, so it's like a bear dog? <laughs> like a dog that's a bear or a bear that's a dog? And you're like, it's a clown. She's like, oh, that yeah. was a really good try, Ben. I do question how helpful my drawing was. I think it's the best. It was perfect because it was enough to know it's a clown. But then after that, it's like, just let her do everything. Okay, whatever taste we decide is wrong. Just let someone who knows what they're doing do it. It's enough to count your opinion out. Like she looked at it and went, well, clearly his opinion's worth nothing. We'll have to release that at some point because I've still got a picture of that. Yeah, my that original. Check that up on the Instagram. I'll have to do like a before and after. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a great advertisement for like a plastic surgeon. <laughs> put on, we'll find a plastic surgeon's um, office and we'll put that down as the banner at the bottom. <laughs> we guarantee results before and after. But yeah, okay, so if anyone knows how to get Korean animators to do stuff, hit us up. Facebook's the best place probably to guess for that one. I want to get this done. I mean, I'd like to know that like, how much does it cost? Like if I have a spare 10 bucks, could I just hit up Korea and just be like, make me a cartoon and that's all the instructions I have to give? Even if it's like angry stick figures. Yeah, I mean, that's more than I could do. Or like, do you actually have to give them the pictures and all they do is animate it? You know what I mean? Make it moving. I want to get someone who's like totally interpretive. So it's just like all this weird shit happening on the screen in the background. <laughs> like it's not even recognizable. It's like shapes and colors. As they're delivering their lines, they're falling down a giant pit. As they melt and reestablish and multiply and delete and then change color. And then I would love to get to the end and be like, what the hell was that? <laughs> Is that even the script we sent? <laughs> ben, was that your cartoon? I <clears throat> don't know. <laughs> Would we have to do a storyboard or anything? What I'd like to think is that we just go make us a cartoon and see what happens. That's probably the cheapest option. Although you write up a story, you send it to Korea, and then you get what you get. I like the idea that we come up with some cute little story about us doing something, and it comes back and we're like, well, to be fair, we never explicitly said we weren't riding dragons. <laughs> they just decided we were riding dragons for this conversation. Because I assume we'd have to send them an audio recording too that they match the animation to. You'd imagine that. Yeah, they're not going to do the audio recording. So do it like a radio 
play and then oh, there we go, send yeah. it off to them. Let them imaginate it. <laughs> I know. We'll look into that. We'll try and make a cartoon. It's got to be better than this Perils of Penelope Pit Stop. Yeah, definitely. This is the challenge I'm going to put down to us. What is the cheapest cartoon we can get made from Korea? Like, what is... I want to find out how much money do I actually need and how terrible does it look? That's what I'm really interested in. I want to see some really bad animation. Before we get to the end of this episode, though, I do want to look into some of these because they have a board game. Oh, it's a race around... I'm guessing it's like Monopoly or Snakes and Ladders. It's got to be like a circuit-like thing. Oh, you can buy it for $49.99. No, I'm changing my mind. Or $44.99. I reckon, yeah, Snakes and Ladders. Like, there's definitely an end because that's how you win. Or it's maybe like the game of life. where like took it to a link where it's not even on Wikipedia. Yeah, that's... Buy the Where you game? buy it. Buy on Amazon. What, what do we look at here? Ooh, there's a deluxe version. All right, well, hold is on. There more... Oh, it comes with all the little guys. That's so cool. So you have your selection of cars. What does the board look like? Oh, I don't think it's a predetermined board. You build tracks. <gasps> That's so cool. So I think it's like a card game where you build the track as you go along. And yeah, different people do better on different cards. Think Digimon or Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh and Monopoly put together. That's what I'm going to call it. But this one's better than the regular Monopoly. Because everyone's the race car. See, I think for just the setup alone, I wouldn't even mind a copy of this. I know, it comes with a figure of all the little cars. How cool is that? Because that's the coolest part. I'd want it just for that. Because where else are you going to get that? I mean, yeah, it's a long time since the Happy Meals had them. <laughs> uh, I wonder if this game's fun or disappointing. Because it actually looks kind of fun. I think it's probably disappointing and probably really boring. But you spend the whole time playing with your little car. So what does it matter? But you do get a lot of cool stuff in there. Yeah, that's good enough for the toys. I'm down. And they also had video games which yeah totally unaware and from 91 and 2000 you'd think I'd be aware of this I thought it'd be Mario Kart (laughs) it's essentially the same thing isn't it see this is probably it we got this is for PlayStation and Game Boy Color and Windows and Nintendo DS they made it for everyone see I was gonna say like every time they released a Wacky Races Mario Kart probably released one just to spite them so they did one on the PlayStation 2 which is the best selling console of all time I remember where did you hear that from Ben. Uh-huh. It was on an episode of Wiki Review. That sounds interesting. I should check that podcast out. Okay. Right, so so the... let's watch someone play it. It's loading. I'm actually watching the screen load. Yeah. Whoever put that in their gameplay video is stupid. Oh, they picked English. Good choice. That's good. In it's the language I speak. Richard Joseph. Okay. Let's get to some action. Oh, wait. Shows them scrolling through all the cars. And all the tracks and stuff. Okay. Pick your vehicle and they tell you what's good and bad about them. It's got some kind of 60s game show music. Well, there's the cavemen. That's what I would pick because they're the ones who won the most. The mobster's car, the anthill gang. Ooh, he's lacking in brakes. The Penelope car that's really... It's got a spinning umbrella that's even creepier. Yeah, I don't know why the umbrella was spinning. It's never spun. Alright, let's get to where we need to be for this. Okay, so you so drive... So they pick Dick Dastardly's car. Of course you do. Yeah, this is just yeah. Mario Kart. It is essentially a cheaper version. It's almost like Crash Team Racing, which was a shit of Mario Kart. Crash Team Racing? Yeah, oh, is that Crash, Crash Bandicoot? Bandicoot? Yeah. Crash Bandicoot and his friends got together to rip off Mario Kart. <laughs> Because <laughs> PlayStation like said, fuck Nintendo. Graphics around that time did have a certain look. And it does look like that. Like Where they were could... sort of too ambitious for their time. They dared to dream, Ben. <laughs> it's definitely graphics that don't date as well. Yeah. Like, that's the thing about old games. Like, when you see Pong, it's not like you're overwhelmed with, like, oh, the graphics are shit. You're just like, oh, simple game. I get it. Same with Tetris. Tetris still holds up, even though the graphics are very simplistic. A game like this that's meant to be a racing game, you look 
and instantly think, oh, that's an old game. And like, because you can see when a game's simpler than this, like it could be a racing game, but if it's just designed to be like a little car on a little track, like this is trying to look good. Like if it's just blocks, the amount of games where like you're just a square or like you're the tank and the tank is just a square with a dot hanging out one side so you know where the turret is. And you're fine with that because they're not trying. They're like, no, no, it's just a square. So play. Yeah, like Pac-Man's fine. Yeah, no one's going, you know, Pac-Man's, it's just a bit round, you know? Like it's not enough definition. There's no three-dimensional Pac-Man. Oh, then when you go into actually they did do a 3D Pac-Man for the PlayStation and you instantly look at that and go, oh, that looks dated. Like you think that before you would think that about the original Pac-Man. <laughs> oh, exactly. Because yeah, it's like this, they're overstepping their boundaries with graphics, but they dared to dream. If it wasn't for these guys doing this, we wouldn't have Black Ops now. So bully for them. Yeah, that's one video game. Well, that was the most recent-ish one they made because they did make one in 2008, a year later, but that was for the Nintendo DS. So I imagine the graphics for that are going to be even worse than the graphics for the PlayStation 2 one. But then maybe it's not implying that it should be good. So it might be better. Oh, yeah, they cartoon. No, they're playing it on a Wii virtual console. So that's where you can play some games. Because I wondered how people were going to get screen recordings of this if it was on a DS. So it looks like a little cartoon. It's like an interactive cartoon. Oh, no, it's a Wii, an actual Wii game. Oh. And you got to use like... Oh, it's like Frogger. Yeah, or they're trying to dodge things using paddles. I think one of them is Lazy Luke and the Bear. And the other, who is... You've got Penelope Pit Stop, you've got Hat Pending, and you've got the army guys. Oh, yeah, so, they are all uh, there. Private Meekly. That's just, yeah, dodge the stuff. But then sometimes, oh, this is a replay. So you do it from behind, going along, seeing where you are, and then they replay it. Oh, this is something different, isn't it? It is something different. Yeah, it looks like you've got to play a bunch of mini games to get through the race. Okay, and you just use your Wii to try and control it. Yeah, so right now they're using their Wii to draw on the screen to screw up the other drivers. Oh, no, like I can see here with the cavemen guys, the Slag Brothers. They're hitting the ground beside them, so it almost looks like they're using their clubs to row. See, now, is that like a special thing for this game or I don't know I'm trying to see because there they are there they're just driving no that's not them that's the buzzsaw guy yeah I think they got knocked out a little while ago and then it jumps into a cartoon this does seem like the most apt to the series it's like making an episode happen yeah if you started it right then you'd be like I'm watching a cartoon and it's one of those weird things in Wii's where they've given you games that are just motions like here they've got you have to pump up a tire and so all you gotta do is pump your hand up and down to make sure the Mm. tire pumps up first you gotta connect it, then you gotta pump it. But it's just little mini games and cute little things. But once again, like it doesn't kind of off put you looking at the graphics. I kind of like the graphics in this one because it has that cartoony vibe to it. And I think that's you've hit the nail on the head. The other one looks like the PlayStation 2 one looks weird because they've 3D'd a cartoon and that always looks wrong. Remember when um, you first saw Sonic or Mario in a 3D game and you're like, what the hell have you done to my character? Yeah, the Wii version of this game actually looks kind of good. We might have to get this. Well, I have a Wii. As outdated as that is. Yes, it's a thing. Oh, Matt Penning's in the lead. And he happens to be the player one. He's got it. Yeah, everyone seems to know that this is where consoles come to die. Every friend that (laughs) I know that buys a new console just takes their old console here and goes like, you'll enjoy this. (laughs) This seems to be the thing that we share. We both like old consoles. On the weekend, sir, Ali was getting a haircut, so I was wasting time in a shopping center. I went into JB just to waste time. And as I'm wasting time, I'm looking around for the Xbox 360 games because that's how I roll old school games and I couldn't find them all I could find was PlayStation 4 and Xbox One so I eventually saw like not a shelf but like a half shelf at the end of an aisle this one little like four games long thing mixed in with other
other consoles like PSP, PlayStation 3, and then there's some Xbox 360 games. I turn to the guy who works there, I'm like, is this the Xbox 360 section? He's like, yeah, we don't keep that anymore. Not enough space, and it's too old. And I looked at them. There were four games. Two of them, 50 cents each. Oh, wow. A game for 50 cents. One was football and one was wrestling. Now, I don't really want a football or a wrestling game, but it was 50 cents. So you got to have it. <laughs> yeah, I got two games for a dollar. Now, keep in mind, I was just in there to look and browse, but you know, you see a game for 50 cents, you get it. And since I was there and the other games, one was like six bucks, one was 12 bucks. I'm like, well, I'm already ahead from the 50 cent games. I may as well buy all their 360 games because there's only like four of them. So I collected them and then long story short, I spent over a hundred bucks. <laughs> but you got like 900 games, so it's fine. <laughs> well, no, that's just that's just what got me started. I got four games, and then I found that there was two new Ip Man movies out. And then I got The Raid 2. Oh, yeah. Because you've told me about that one. And then I got a Diane Wirt CD, then Ali wanted to see It snuck up on me, right? It happened it organically. It spiraled out of control. <laughs> it did. And this is the danger of seeing something that's cost 50 cents. Because <laughs> you go, of course I can afford 50 cents, but since I'm here. Because what? I'm not going to like use my card for 50 cents. That's weird. The fee would be more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've gotten to the point now with the Wii where you can't even really find the games in the clearance bins. You have to almost find it like vintage. Yeah, I got an Xbox 360. Those things are still just hanging on. And I have a Nintendo 64 where they're impossible to find. And it does get to a point with video games where after a certain while, like the games go down and down and down until they're at that 50 cent value. Then they start coming back up as it becomes retro. I think I've had enough of this video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just had it playing the whole time in the background. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I've out of all the ones we've watched, both of them. That's mm. the best one. Uh, actually, speaking of consoles, I have my brother came over and he has one of those new Nintendo Switches. And he came over and he brought that and he had a new game that he got, which is Mario Maker 2. Mario. Oh, you make Marios. You make Mario levels. And so I got to play that and play a bunch of Mario levels, but it got to the point where I was like, ooh, I want to try and make a level. How did that work out, Ben? Oh, it was good. Yeah? There's actually a level that I made that's up there. Oh, on the... On the thing yeah in the internet because the way how you got to do it is you make a level and to prove that it's not just some dick thing that you've done you have, you to, have to actually pass the level yourself before you can upload it so the level that i made is at first i was just mucking around so i made a simple hill that you get over and you go down and do a slide at the end and you jump to the flag oh cool you could pass it in like 10 seconds yeah there are a couple little bad guys you could jump on but pretty simple oh cool but then i thought it'd be funny to make a warp pipe area that you could go down to that just had like chaos down there like so you could easily finish it in 10 seconds or you could go to the hard area yes so this is so you ben all right so you can make something that's impossible weird but you have to be able to finish it all right well you can finish it by just going here or you could go to the actual thing that's mind-blowingly hard and insane you found a loophole ben congratulations now <laughs> now explain this pipe okay dream so, of yours. <laughs> so you go into the pipe and there's just a bunch of things that stomp you in a decide and kill you <laughs> and I thought it was funny to make it where it would probably instantly kill you as in every time you go down and you just die oh no as you go into it like there's so much shit in there that eventually something in there is going to kill like, you it's impossible it, it looks like it's leading somewhere but it doesn't because if you get through the pipe zone at the other end is another pipe that leads you right back to the start of the level so it just takes you back up to where you started yes Oh, that's brilliant. But then there were like other things that we could do with the level that Matt was showing me. And we figured out a way how you have 
have to go through that pipe now to complete the level. Oh. Because what the setup is on our Mario Maker level is you have to finish it with a propeller hat. Oh, so you have to go through the pipe to get the hat and then you can finish it. Yeah, so as you go through the pipe, the first thing you see is a bunch of these chain chomp enemies that are going to bite you. If you get past them, there is a heap of helicopter hats there and one fire flower. Cool, cool. As you go through the rest of the maze, getting through it without getting hit is absolutely impossible. But if you go through it and only get hit once, you lose your fire flower or propeller hat, whichever one you've run through the maze with, and you go out to the start and there's a mushroom block at the start. But if you didn't get it at the start, it'll be a propeller hat if you're big. So when you first see it, you've got to walk past it, go down the pipe and then come back out big and get it. So in other words, it's something that you couldn't possibly know. No, but you could figure it out eventually. Just through trial and error. And we knew how to do it and it still took us like half an hour to actually finish the level. Oh, dude. That's a pretty well thought through cute thing. But I'll tell you what, if anyone has Mario Maker 2, I'll put the code for the level in the show notes if anyone wants to play the level and leave feedbacks and comments on it. Yeah. Because that'll get back to me. Hey, if you want to leave slurs about wiki review, I'd like to hear that. <laughs> I'd like to read on some random Mario level. Yeah, I have seen a playthrough of Make Your Own Mario 1 and it looked like just a normal level of Mario, but someone's added these spinning fire arms. So it's like the whole place is filled with these rotating arms of fire. And I actually felt sick watching it. <laughs> like, cause it's just so much tension because he has to go over some, under some. He has to know that if he jumps at the certain time, he will be over it. He has to go around and back. And like, it's just, you have to actually know how to do it. There's no way to figure it out. And by the end of it, I'm like, I think I'm going to throw up. I didn't know like watching a computer game could do that to me, especially when it's just a little dude jumping around the screen. There's no violence. No one's getting hurt. There's nothing like bad happening. I just, it's too tense. Yeah. I think Mario Maker is probably one of the most interesting games because the levels that come out of that do seem like they're not made by game makers. Because game makers seem to make things with a logic. Whereas when you're getting just user created ones, there's a certain mm. element of randomness that's thrown in there. Mm. And you don't know the proper way how to do things. Because yeah, you've got a different motivation. Like you, they just made it to mess with people. Yeah, and I think more with my level, more than making it to mess with people, I just made it up as I went along. Like there was no <laughs> design or plan. It was just, mm. I was playing with stuff. But still being a, uh, a gamer, you understand story structure. Yes. So you make it up as you go along, but you understand the concept, whereas other people just make, what the hell is this? <laughs> Why would you do that? Matt did actually show me some of the levels that he had made. Given like the time, there was actually like some really good ones that he made. He made a cool flying one on there. Oh, cool. Which, yeah, if you use that code, you'll be able to see Matt's other levels too, or his user thing. You know how Mario Maker works. He made three levels. One I hated, two were actually pretty good. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> see if you can guess which one. <laughs> I would love it if he checks into his thing and all he sees is uh, comments going, hey, Ben, is this the one you hated? <laughs> <laughs> like 17 people all like one after the other. Hey, Ben, is this the one you hated? <laughs> no, nah, the one I hate is very obvious because it's all getting a star and then running across spikes. Oh, I, ha I hate that was Sonic the Hedgehog for me. You yeah. had to run through like this little spike maze and keep getting stars. Otherwise you die. Mm. And yeah, I hate that crap. And oh. I told him so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're not allowed to stop and think. You just have to go. But he's flying one. Fun. There we go. All right, so that's the video games. Okay, can we just um, have a quick look at this 2017 version? Yeah, we should probably have a look at that. Why I wanted to discuss this was I saw some pictures of it and it is so ungodly.
oddly. Also, mm. we should point out that the 2017 version didn't know it existed, but they have 65 episodes. Oh, wow. The original series only had 17, but they have already done two seasons, 65 episodes. It's like, you know when you find out that The Middle had more episodes than Malcolm in the Middle? Yeah, see these pictures? I mean, he's just Googled the 2017 Wacky Races. They kind of got that computer generated look, but still kind of cartoony. That's the weird thing, like a blend between both. Like, it's kind of ungodly and horrible, isn't it? I'm trying to think of what it looks like, what cartoon... What's the one where the guy has uh, fairy godparents? Oh, the fairly odd parents. There you go. That's You're almost what... there. Yeah, it kind of looks like that. Or, I don't know what it's called, but it's a kid's cartoon for girls. Maybe it's like My Little Pony. I don't know. I've never seen one of those. I assume that's what it looks like. Point is, it looks really horrible compared to the original. A lot of the remakes do because they try and jazz it up. Have you seen the remake of the Ninja Turtles? No. It's disgusting. The turtles were the turtles and now they're like this weird looking thing and they've gone through so many phases because there was one where they were dudes in suits. Then they did the one where it's like the 3D cartoon and it's just horrible. They even made a movie where it was a real life movie but they were the put in graphics and it's yeah, they don't look like the turtles. It's disgusting. Stop ruining my childhood. Alright, I think that's enough for that. Yeah, I feel more queasy than I watched that uh, Mario. So what did you think of the Wacky Races page? What would you rate it? I had fun actually. This was uh, more than I expected. I learnt stuff. I always say that. I learnt stuff. Like I really enjoy learning things. Like not useful facts. I like learning like the name of the Anhill mob. That was, you know. <laughs> that'll come... learning that there were two different incarnations of the Anhill mob. Yeah, that's going to be an annoying fact I'm going to throw into a conversation that had nothing to do with Wacky Races at some point. People go, what time's the bus coming? Like 7.30? Hey, did you know the Ant Hill mob was completely recast in the spin-off series? And it had Mel Blanc, the Bugs so, Bunny guy. So the bus is coming at like 7.30 or 40? And anyone got an answer? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was pretty good. In fact, I'd have to rate this a Peter Perfect out of a possible Muttley. Because it's perfect. I mean, not perfect like Muttley's perfect. Muttley is a perfect score because who doesn't love Muttley? Well, Muttley never won once. He doesn't have to win. He doesn't need to win. Muttley is the coolest character in this whole show. So the Wikipedia page could never live up to Muttley. He is the coolest. Everyone loves him. He's got the cool laugh. He's got the fresher, fresher, fresher. But this is Peter Perfect because it's pretty good. It's pretty amazing. He won a few times. I didn't know that. But it does kind of fall apart a little bit, especially Mm. when you check out this ungodly 2017 version when you see the video game. But I learned about a board game I didn't know existed and I just want it for the cars. I kind of want that board game. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to play the game, but I am going to play with the cars. I would play with the game once. Exactly once. Exactly once. Just so I can say I didn't waste my money. Who would you pick? The tank. I think I have to go the tank. See, I like the cavemen guys. The Slag Brothers are kind of growing on me. Yeah? The more you think about it. The more I think about it, the more I like them. I'm drawn to them a lot. You are a sucker for slapstick. I found that. It's just two guys hitting each other, sitting on a rock. Genius! So yeah, that's what I thought of it. What did you think, Ben? Alright, well, I'm going to give my rating out of 68 because it came out in 1968. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah, there you go. It all ties in together. (laughs) And I'll give it a 50 out of 68. I liked it. It was a good page going over a lot of obscure characters. I mean, the thing that bothered me with it is I actually thought that a lot of the characters they used in this show was like Scooby-Doo and stuff like that. Oh, you've completely remembered it wrong, hey? Yeah, I thought it was like the Flintstones and the Jetsons and Scooby-Doo all racing against each other and Yogi Bear and stuff. But no, it's got all these other characters. Well, they're all kind of like that. Like the Slag Brothers are Captain Caveman. Dick Dastardly and Muttley does appear in other cartoons. And they're 
they're all kind of ripoffs of all those. Like it's yeah, but they're ripoffs of their own cartoons. They could just have done it. That's like, true. Why did they have to get the Ant Hill mob? They could have easily used Top Cat. That's true. That is absolutely true. Maybe it's the voice actors. The guy who does um Top Cat's voice. There, you wouldn't be able to get him. Not at his price. I wish I could remember his name because he's pretty famous and he's an actor too. He does a lot of good stuff. Because I thought this was the original Avengers. Like when they get all the characters together before the Infinity War, there was the Wacky Race. Yeah, that's what I thought. Wacky Wars, Infinity Race, which I think that's a great idea. How long till it's public domain that we can use these characters? Like 50 years? I don't know what the lore is any day. <laughs> Thanks to Mickey Mouse, we can just infinitely yeah. copyright things, I think. But I thought the lore was anything's up for grabs except Mickey. Specifically says. No, but it was a good page. I did like it. All right. Well, sides from that, we just got the usual plugging to do. Find us on Facebook, Humidor, like it, love it, find us, talk to us. I'll talk back. I promise. Rate the podcast. Check out the Humidor YouTube channel. Instagram. Do, what, do people have, do they follow us? What do they do there? You can follow us on Instagram and also on Twitter. How do they find us on, how do I find us on Instagram? Let's start with me. Because <laughs> I don't know. I've got it down in the show notes. I know with Twitter, I'm at the Humidor. At the Humidor. The Humidor. Was Humidor Be- taken? Yeah, it was. How the fuck? Who is this prick? I, okay, this is Twitter. All right, everyone's going to get on Twitter right now. You go to at Humidor and say, you stole that, you prick. We're going to bully this, people. <laughs> I think we got Humidor on Instagram, though. Oh, that's nice. So we're Humidor on Instagram. Do you reckon these Twitter people are pissed off that we got the Instagram? <laughs> They're like, who are these fucks taking our Instagram? What? Garlic? Vampire? What are you? What? What kind of pitch is that? <laughs> All of this is in the show notes as well. And probably the simplest way how to find all of it is if you go to humidor.com.au, which has recently had a remodeling. So if you have gone to that site and you're like, oh, it's a complete disaster. I can't find my way around it. It has actually been remodeled since then. So So if you haven't poked your eyes out when you first saw it, you'll be really relieved that you can use your eyes again to look at it. Yeah. And it has the link to all our social media, plus things that are focused on there will appear on the website as well. It shows the most recent thing now, doesn't it? Yes, it does. So as we do stuff, if you're like, hey, have they done anything new? You go straight there and you'll know. It's the easiest place to get the podcasts and the videos videos and everything humidor. And all our quippy, whippy little uh, anecdotes that we may throw out at time to time. Yeah, so check it out. It's all in the show notes, humidor.com.au. And yeah, you can also email us at wikireviewpodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. Cool. That's all. Woohoo. Getting good at that. Yeah. And I'm learning. All right, well, that's been it for this episode. I've been Ben Graw. I've been Garth Remington. And we'll catch you on the next Wiki Review. Find Humidor on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and at humidor.com.au. Theme is I Live for the Bass Drum by DJ Searle. All other music by Matt Graw.